there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hi, I'm Wendy Zuckerman, and you're listening to Science Versus from Gimlet. And a quick warning before we get started. In this episode, we'll be discussing homicide and sexual violence. So please take care when you're listening to the show. And if you're feeling depressed or you just want to talk to someone in the US, you can call the National Mental Health Helpline, which is at 1-800-662-HELP. So that's 1-800-662-4357. We'll pop it in the show notes. Okay, let's jump in. This is the show that pits facts against foul play. On today's show, serial killers. One murderer who embodies a lot of our fears about serial killers is a guy named Ed Kemper, who killed his victims in the 60s and 70s. Can you tell us about Ed Kemper? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I can tell you about Ed Kemper. And by the way, you would like Ed, and he would like you. Because I'm female? Yes, and he would probably kill you. The guy telling us about Ed Kemper is a researcher called Eric Hickey. He's a criminal psychologist at Walden University and knows a lot about serial killers. And he told us that Ed started killing early, when he was only 15. He said, one day I just came down for breakfast. I just thought, what would it be like to shoot grandma and kill her? So he walked up behind her with a rifle and shot and killed her. He killed his grandfather too. And then Ed turned himself in. He ended up in a state psychiatric hospital. In the late 1960s, he was released on parole. And by now, he's 21. He's grown up and back in the outside world. And he looked kind of dorky and unassuming. He wore these thick glasses, but was really smart. And he was huge. He's six foot nine, 300 pounds. (laughs) He's a big guy. And it didn't take long before this big guy started getting violent again. In May 1972, he picked up two young female hitchhikers who were asking for a ride. And Ed was charming. They would get in the car because he was such a nice guy, and then he'd take them off in the woods and he would kill them. And after these two women, Ed kept going. Kemper was killing college students as fast as he could. Oh my gosh. He killed four more young women within just a few months. And all the while, he was living what appeared to be a perfectly normal life. Even his psychiatrist was fooled. Eric told us this one story about when Ed visited his therapist. He's sitting down and the therapist started telling him about how pleased they were with the progress he had made. And he looked at the therapist and said, well, without you, I wouldn't be here. And he thanked the therapist for all their help. During that interview, in the parking lot, in Ed Kemper's car, in the trunk of his car, was the head of a college student. (gasps) Yeah, Ed often decapitated his victims and kept the heads. On occasion, he actually had sex with them. The heads. In total, Ed Kemper murdered 10 people, including his mother, before, again, 
turning himself into the police. And Ed Kemper, he's our monster. A cunning predator who lures women into traps. He's so quintessential as a serial killer that there's a character based on him in the TV show Mindhunter. And the creepiest thing about it is that while Ed is now in prison, there are other serial killers out there right now. And we are kind of obsessed with them. It seems like every year we get a new batch of TV shows about these guys. Last year, there was a big doco on Ted Bundy. And one of the most popular Netflix shows in the US right now is a new documentary about John Wayne Gacy. So today on the show, The Science of Serial Killers, where we ask, what do we really know about them? In the movies and these TV documentaries, they're often portrayed as being these super smart killers that leave signature calling cards wherever they kill. But is any of that true? Now, according to the FBI, you're considered a serial killer if you kill at least two people in separate events. Researchers estimate that over the last two decades, there have been more than 600 serial killers scurrying around the US. Nine out of 10 of them are men. Now, when you look at serial killers in Hollywood, there's a few things that they often seem to do. I mean, other than killing people. And one of them is leaving some weird calling card. Hollywood often presents it as if the killer is playing out some creepy fantasy. Like in Silence of the Lambs, the killer puts moths in his victim's throat. And in The Mentalist, the serial killer would always paint a smiley face in the victim's blood, somewhere near the crime scene. Drawn in the victim's blood, clockwise with three fingers of his right hand, wearing a rubber kitchen glove. And then in The Wire, just to imitate a serial killer, McNulty tied red ribbons to several dead men. Wayne Petherick, a researcher of criminology at Bond University in Australia, told us you just see this trope everywhere. Oh, it's absolutely repeated sort of ad nauseum in, in television shows and movies on serial killers. So in the real world, is this calling card thing true? Well, to answer this question, Wayne told us about this one study of 90 serial killers that looked into this very question, analysing the stuff they did other than killing. And basically, the researchers wanted to know. Did they steal something from the crime scene? Were there bite marks, for example? Did they disfigure um, the body or engage in other mutilation behaviours? So other than killing them, the most common thing that serial killers did to their victims was sexually assault them. There was other stuff in the data too, though, like dismembering their bodies. The researchers found that 40% of the time, these serial killers dismembered their victims and about 30% of the time, they scattered their body parts. But Wayne says that this isn't necessarily because they're playing out some weird fantasy. It could be that maybe they just wanted to kill someone and now they're covering their tracks. So you might dismember a body because it's some fantasy that you have, or you might dismember a body to help you dispose of the body. Wayne says, as a rule of thumb, before you start thinking that this is some fantasy, Ask yourself, could it be functional? Still, though, it's clear that not everything that serial killers do is functional. 
A study of almost 40 serial killers using data from the FBI found that 70% of them did some things to their victims that would be very hard to explain. Things like carving a pattern into the victim's chest or leaving them in weird poses. What the movies get wrong, though, is that most serial killers don't seem to do the same weird thing to their victims every single time they kill. And several studies have found this. More often than not, they switch it up. Those kinds of signature behaviours don't tend to occur with as great a frequency as, as we're led to believe. In fact, there's this popular idea out there that cops might be able to catch serial killers by looking at crime scenes and finding patterns. Think Mindhunter or Jodie Foster in Silence of the Lambs. But this usually doesn't work. A study of 200 serial killers actually found that the most common way for one to get caught was because someone they knew turned them in. Another common way, they were arrested for something else. Like Ted Bundy was caught driving a stolen orange Volkswagen Beetle after his final murder. And you know, movies would be a whole lot shorter if Hollywood cops didn't go around analysing their creepy calling cards, but instead whipped out an old-fashioned map. And that's because science has found that most serial killers tend to kill where they live or work. Seriously. Researchers have found that, as a good rule of thumb, if you take the sites of the two crimes that they did that are the furthest away and then draw a circle around them, the culprit's base will likely be inside that circle. A recent study looked at this for 15 convicted serial killers in Brazil, and it showed that two-thirds of them were found in that circle. So bottom line, forget the red tape or moths in your throat. I think that the idea that every serial killer leaves like an ace of spades playing card behind at a crime scene is is very different from the reality, which is that they are really just somebody who is inclined to kill multiple times. They're just someone who's inclined to kill multiple times. Our next question is, what's that about? Because for many of us, the idea of killing someone is not something we want to do on a Tuesday night. And yet, serial killers do this over and over again. And in the movies, they seem to have some important reason for doing it. Perhaps a big master plan. Like in the recent Batman, the Riddler wants to expose a ring of corruption. The doomsday killer in Dexter is trying to bring about the end of the world. John Kramer from Saw technically killed people to show the value of their life. So in real life, why do they do it? Well, to get at what drives serial killers, we went back to our criminal psychologist, Eric Hickey, who we met at the beginning of the show. He's the guy who really enjoys his research into serial killers. I just really like the dark side because I need to know what people are like, what makes them tick. And Eric is kind of the perfect person to talk to about why serial killers do what they do. He's analysed hundreds of cases and interviewed about a dozen serial killers personally. Like, he told us about this one guy, Larry Dwayne Hall. He's believed to have killed dozens of women in the 80s and 90s. So the two of them, Eric and Larry, sat and talked. I'm sitting with my leg, my right leg is touching his left leg. That's how close I am to Larry. And Larry looks like something out of a horror movie. 
And he's got this long beard, and he's got this crazy look in his eyes. And at first, it wasn't clear why Larry had killed so many women. That was until Eric asked him. He said, so Larry, do you have a girlfriend? You have ever had a girlfriend? Have you ever had sex with a woman? He goes, no, never. So now the big question was, the million dollar question was next. I said, Larry, have you ever had sex with a dead woman? And he looked at me and he sort of smiled and goes, well, maybe. Larry was killing his victims. And as soon as he killed them, he had sex with them because they were still warm. So to them, him, he was like, they were still alive. Right. A lot of serial killing seems to be sexually motivated. As we said, a lot of serial killers rape their victims before killing them, while some of them, like Larry, have sex with them afterwards. And although necrophilia in serial killing is rare, it's hardly unheard of. It's not always about sex, though. Some serial killers do it for good old-fashioned greed. In one large serial killer database, almost a third were found to have killed for money. In fact, this seems to have motivated America's first known serial killer. It was this guy called Herman Mudgett. In 1886, he moved to Chicago and became a pharmacist using the name Dr. H.H. Holmes. Soon after, he apparently began killing people to steal their property. The building he killed in became known as Murder Castle. It was reported that in the corner of the cellar, there was this creepy vault where Herman dissolved his victims' bodies in quicklime. So, some serial killers do it for money. But two large surveys found that the most common reason is because they get some kind of enjoyment out of it, sexual or otherwise. Like the Zodiac Killer, who killed at least five people. He wrote, I like killing people because it is so much fun. So what made serial killers this way? How do you become someone who likes killing because it is so much fun? Well, we find out in our full version of this episode. To find it, just search for Science Versus in Spotify, and you'll see our main feed with all of our big Science Versus episodes. That's Science VS. And then click on the episode, Serial Killers. I'm Wendy Zuckerman. Back to you next time. 